Thanks for tuning in to the Crew at UGA podcast. We are so glad to have you with us. Crew exists to call students to know God, grow in their faith, and go to the world. If you would like to get more connected with Crew at UGA, or if we can help you in any way at all, go to the show notes, click on the link, or follow us on Instagram at Crew at UGA. All right, let's get started. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Crew at UGA podcast. As always, I'm Kyler, a full-time staff member with Crew, and I am back again this week with Alan, who is our Crew at UGA team leader. Alan, can you believe it's already October? It is already October. That's crazy. We are cruising through the fall. Dude, we are. It's really great. Yeah. What's your favorite part of October? Or the fall? Everything. Everything. (laughs) You're a big fall guy, Oh, yeah. And you know... Probably baseball playoffs is the yeah. best. Go Braves. Go Braves. And pumpkin everything. Yeah, you love it. So watching baseball with a pumpkin spice latte <laughs> in my hand doesn't get any better than that, right? It doesn't. <laughs> I don't think it does. <laughs> the dog's coming off a big win, all that stuff, you yeah. know. It, fall is amazing. Fall's fall is a, great. Yeah, fall's a great time. Yeah, it is. Uh, well, Alan, thanks for being on the episode again today. And so for those who are listening, if you've been with us for the past few weeks, we started this semester committing to talk about No Grow Go. Uh, that's our crew at UGA mission statement. And so we've done a couple weeks in no. Uh, we've done a couple weeks in grow. And now we are doing a few talks on go. And so last week, you got to hear a really awesome uh, interview that Alan had with some of our crew at UGA alumni, which was really cool just to hear their experiences about what it means for them to go uh, after they graduated. But this week, Alan, you are going to be sharing a little bit more from the Bible about going. And so the title of this episode is What You Didn't Know About Go. That's right. Yeah. And I hope everybody out in podcast land appreciates how hard we work to That's come right. up with these silly titles that yep. are a hook that make you want to turn this mm. podcast on and listen. Yes. This is not easy what we do in here. It's, it's not easy. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And so, man, if you have any suggestions on catchy titles, yeah. feel free to let us know. But don't try this at home. Right. Leave it to the podcast professionals. It's... <laughs> It's not a simple task, but we're, we're happy to hear from you. Yes, we definitely are. Uh, so, Alan, you're going to start off uh, today by just reading a passage for us. And so, why don't you start with that? I am. So, we're going to read Matthew 9, 36 through 38, and it goes like this. Idon detus aclus esplagniste peri auton hati hesan. How long are you going to let me do this? Before you go as long as you can. <laughs> I want to see your grief. Oh my gosh. It's like, how long are you going to let me do this stupid thing to try to make a point? <laughs> so what's the point you're making? You're, you started off reading in Greek. I and did. So what is all that about? Well, I'll tell you about it in just a minute. We're actually going to we're gonna look at some Greek today. And so I just thought it would be attention getting to yeah. do that. Plus, it makes me feel really good about myself, Mm. like I'm really smart. smart. Yeah, Yeah. something like that. And um, I want everybody in podcast land to think that as well. (laughs) Um, Let me read it in English. It goes like this. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them, he being Jesus, because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Matthew nine thirty six through 38. That's a pretty mm. familiar passage, I think. Yeah. Um, if you come from a Christian background or have been a Christian for a while, you probably have heard this passage before. Right. But that's what we're going to talk about. And the idea with today is we are going to, we just want to ask the question, when we say go, what do we mean? What we are accepting 
when we say go in our mission statement, is that we believers, we Christians, live in a certain period of time, a period between Jesus' first coming and his second coming. Mm -hmm. And it's a unique time in history. So with Jesus coming to earth, something called the kingdom of God has begun. And that's actually probably the main subject or the most talked about subject in the Gospels. What that means is God has revealed what he's doing in all of history as he has showed himself through creation in the Jewish people, but now has fully revealed himself face to face with us in Jesus. And so a new era has begun called the kingdom of God. Hmm. So during this period, the people of God are no longer just one ethnic nation out of many, but all ethnicities who believe. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago when we talked about Imago Dei. And one of the key features about this period of time, this kingdom period, is that until Jesus returns, all men and women are to be invited into this kingdom of God. And so this is one of the key things that the church is to be about. We labor in a broken world. However, God has gifted us to make this world more whole or more complete, more full of worship like it should be. And this is what we're about. We do this unceasingly until Jesus returns. This is what gets instructed in the Great Commission and other places. And one of them is this passage that we just read where it talks about being a laborer in the harvest. Hmm. So today... We're just going to stop and say, okay, well, what does that mean? I feel like a lot of people are familiar with the passage, but actually applying that meaning can be kind of fuzzy. Hmm. So today we're going to read Greek, all right? <laughs> and that is the original language in which the passage was written, in case you didn't know that. And so the, the Gospels, the New Testament, are written in, in a language called Koine Greek. And what we're going to do today is kind of a little different. We don't usually do this with, with podcast talks and things like that, but I thought it would just be kind of a fun, different way to approach this today. We're going to try to peel back the veil of translation from the original Greek into English that lies over Matthew 9, 36 through 38, and take a closer look at the heart of God to send laborers into the harvest. Because I think there are some really important meanings in here that we can't miss if we're really going to understand God's heart in this area. So that's our goal. What is the heart of God when it comes to go like this? What does this tell us about go and how we should think about it? And so to do that today, we're going to read some Greek. And I'm going to basically look at four different Greek words that are used in this passage and explain and expand them a little bit. All so. right, so four words in the original Greek language. Yep. Um, I'm excited for this. Yeah, I'm, so I'm let's try it. I mean, get my learn on. <laughs> let's do it. <laughs> Hopefully, so, it won't be too complicated to follow as you're driving down the highway in the car or right, something maybe like not. that. All right, so four words. Let's do it now. All right, so here's our first word. First word is the word men. Now, the word men in the Greek does not mean men as in the word in English. No, the word men in Greek means indeed. It's a synonym of the Greek word main, which means certainly, assuredly, and that's the root word of the word amen, which is in English what we say amen, amen. right? Though most Christians don't know this, do you know that when we use the word amen on the end of prayers, what it really means is it's an affirmation. It means, yes, this is true, or God is true, God is faithful. So when you pray and you say amen at the end, what you're really saying is God is faithful. God is true to hear this prayer. God mm. can act on this prayer. It's an affirmation. Mm. I think a lot of people don't know that. We just say amen yeah. because that's what we learn to do in church. Right. But that's really what, the, what that word means. That's not one of the four words. Okay. The word we're looking at is the word men. Okay. okay. 
And it means indeed. And that's what it means in this passage. So in Matthew 9, in most translations, this word is invisible, though I'm not sure why. It is present in the original languages, and it gives a lot of strength to Jesus' statement. Read properly, verse 37 would say, the harvest is indeed plentiful, hmm. or the harvest is without a doubt huge. Wow. That's the emphasis that that word gives. But in a number of English translations, it disappears. Right. And you can kind of imagine why this word would be said this way. If you imagine Jesus and his disciples surrounded by these crowds, like it talked about in verse 35, and you could look up at the masses of people, you can understand how Jesus would be tapping into the feeling of being overwhelmed the disciples must have been experiencing. Mm. It was indeed a huge harvest that was to be gathered. Jesus emphasizes that. It really is big. These crowds that you see around you, this harvest, yes, big task. Yeah, absolutely. And so so I guess the first thing that we learned from this word uh, that, man, it stinks it was removed in, in our translation, but what we see here is that this harvest is huge, and it is a big deal, and the feeling of, I guess there should be a feeling of desperation and urgency as mm-hmm. we look out and see the bigness of the crowd. Yeah, so. that's right. That desperation, that urgency. This harvest, it's not trivial. It's not small is what this is trying to get across. It's not unimportant. Mm-hmm. It is indeed huge, right? Wow. So here's the second perspective. Second word we're going to talk about is the word deithete. Now, this word is actually a form of a verb, a very common verb in Greek. It's the verb deamai. And it means to beseech or to beg, to implore, to ask, right? So in the NIV and the NET translations in English, this word simply gets translated as ask the Lord of the harvest to send out, right? In the New Testament, the meaning of this word is always quite a bit stronger. Look at some of the other places where it's used and for what. For instance, in Luke 8, Jesus comes upon a man who is demon-possessed, And he has a conversation with the demon and the man. And the verse says, When the demon saw Jesus, he cried out and fell at his feet, shouting at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I beg you, there's that word, I I beg you, don't torture me. Hmm. Um, In Luke 5, Jesus is in one of the towns, and a man comes along who has leprosy. And it says, When he saw Jesus, he fell down with his face to the ground and begged him, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Um, another time in Luke, there's another person whose son is sick, and he says, and the man says, "Teacher, I beg you to look at my son." Maybe one that most people are familiar with in Second Corinthians five. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making His appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. You've heard that verse, right? Right. That so word that implore. implore. Yeah. Deamai. Same verb that yeah. we're talking about here in Matthew nine, and so. What the point is, it's easy to see the intensity of this verb. It's more than just ask. The man who needs healing, he's not just making this polite inquiry. He is begging in desperation to be healed. Mm. Paul says our appeal to non-Christians in evangelism is an earnest pleading Mm. for them to wake up. Why? Because they stand on the brink of hell. See, deamai is a strong word. It's not just a, 
ask, make a polite request, something like that. But there's an imploring, a beseeching that goes on. Mm. And so in the New Testament, only Paul and Luke use this word, except for this one use by Matthew, which should tell us that the strength of this meaning was Jesus' intention when he gave the command. And that's why Matthew uses this word to carry that meaning through, even though it's not a word Matthew is accustomed to use. Mm. And so the ESV translates it pretty well, pray earnestly to the Father. But the idea is this. Here's the conclusion from this term that we're supposed to walk away. We are not just commanded to ask the Lord to send out workers. We are to implore him. We're to wrestle with him. We're to plead with him to do so because of what we learned in the first word. That situation with the harvest is desperate. It's urgent. It's critical. It's crucial. We implore God to send out laborers into the harvest. Wow. That packs a punch. It does. That's got some meaning there already. And so, like you said, the way that, you know, the first thing we see is the urgency. And then now it's like, hey, go to God begging him to do something in the face of this urgency. Right. So. It's almost as if you're you're one of the disciples and you're looking at the crowd and you're saying, Lord, send somebody to help in here. Mm. We need help. Mm. That's the idea. That's what it's communicating. And it's. It, I think a lot of our English translations make that much less forceful than it really is. Mm. I would agree. Yeah. All right. So let's do a third word. And here we're going to peel back what I might say is the main thing from the original language that I kind of want us to get today. So here is our third word. It is the word ekbale. Now that's also a form of a verb. The verb is ekbalo. And what this means, um, well, I'll just say this. One of the key words of the meaning in this passage is this one because it's really the main verb. And in English, we translate this word as send. However, again, this is much more forceful. It means to cast out or to throw out or to expel, right? You can even kind of see that in the word, the ek on the front. Think of the word exit, expel, Mm. something like that. It means to go out. Balo means to throw, Mm. which is easy to remember if you're ever in Greek class because you throw a ball, right? (laughs) If I ever go to Greek class, man, I'm learning so much. And you're going to thank me. You're going to say, man, Al made this Greek class... So good for me. <laughs> so here, this, this ekbale word, ekbalo, this is the term used in Luke 6 when it says to cast out the log in your own eye before the speck in your brother's. You don't just kind of reach up there and kind of pick it out. You throw it out. You cast out this log in your own eye, right? This is the word used for Jesus casting out the money changers from the temple, which was no gentle task. Right. No, he throws them out. This is the word that gets used for casting out demons. Matthew 7, Matthew 10, there's a number of different instances. This is the word that gets used to describe Jesus being compelled by the Holy Spirit to go into the desert where he would be tempted in Mark 1. So you can see, again, this is a strong word. It's not a gentle word, even though we often translate it gently. Hmm. One does not merely ask a demon to leave somebody. He is forcefully expelled. The word means not just to be sent. What it really means, it means to be deported. Wow. So I have a friend uh, named Holly who's a, a tremendous missionary, and I heard her speak on this word and on this passage once, and she said this great observation about this. I'm just going to read the sentence she said because I just like it so much. She said, Laborers are expelled into the harvest. It is a disruptive sending 
We are thrown into the harvest. We are expelled from our comforts and homes and habits and patterns. Wow. Oh, I love that description. Yeah. Uh, it's just this idea. In this word is hidden this rich insight about the missionary task, namely, being a laborer is not a comfortable occupation. Mm. It's a call. It involves sacrifice and sharing in Christ's sufferings. Wow. Colossians 1.24, I mean, you kind of see this. It says, I rejoice in what was suffered for you, and I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, which is the church. That's kind of how Paul described the missionary task. And this word goes along with that. Hmm. It's not an easy thing. To be expelled into the harvest is to be cast out right. into the world. Um, Acts 8.1 describes the church as being scattered out of Jerusalem when they received persecution at that time. And it's like this idea of a sower scattering his seed far and wide that you just take it out of the bag and you throw it out there. Mm. That's what it means to be sent. You get ekbalo. You get cast out. What a powerful image. I think just to see that, like you said, like the throwing out the seed. Man, that's that's amazing that that's what kind of Jesus is getting at here when he when he says this in right. Matthew 9. Right. So those are the three things we've talked about so far. The harvest is indeed huge, mm-hmm. right? Um, we've talked about how we are scattered out. We are deported. We are sent into the harvest. We've talked about how we implore and beseech God, right? right? Here's the fourth word. Hope everybody's last keeping one. up with this. <laughs> this is the last one, okay? The last word is the word ergatas. Okay. Um, this is the word for a workman or a laborer. So the word ergon in Greek is the word that means work. And you can see that in English. Think of the word ergonomic, right? It's something that's of a form that it's easy to work with, Hmm. right? So this is where we get those kind of words. Um, This also is a common place of confusion. And my hope is to get us to, to think very biblically about it. Now, in this passage... In this illustration Jesus uses, he points to those who would be hired to bring in the harvest, okay, a laborer. Now, this, in this context, would be a full-time job during the harvest season. Workmen did not just come in and spend an hour helping with the harvest after they got off from another job. They were employed, in other words. Okay. They were to be present till the harvest was in. And all of Jesus' hearers would have understood this intuitively. They would have known that's what he was talking about. It doesn't take a vast amount of creativity to imagine the way workers in the harvest would have felt when there was a huge harvest and not enough harvesters. I mean, you can see one standing in the middle of the fields, looking out over everything that had to be done, thinking, this is impossible. There's no way we can get to all these fields before the crops wilt and die. We've got to have more hands, right? That's, that's the mental image in this. So the farm owner would hire more workers from the labor pool much like a farmer here, might hire seasonal migrant workers and employ them till the harvest was in. And I think this is clearly the meaning behind Jesus' illustration of the harvest and his command to ask for more workers. In other words, Jesus, when he uses this word, he's talking about missionaries. And you see this corroborated other places like Luke 10, in which Jesus is recorded giving the same directive to pray for laborers in the harvest in 10.7 as he is instructing the disciples when they're about to be sent out, he tells them to accept the hospitality of those who house and feed them, for a laborer is worthy of his wages. Same word. Hmm. This is an instruction basically to devote themselves as full-time workers and get paid for it. Hmm. And so the laborer being sent out in this vocation, the idea Jesus is speaking about in Matthew 9 is vocational. 
right? At least for a season. The word gets used this way elsewhere and commonly in Greek all the time. Jesus is talking about full-time, vocational, dedicated missionaries. Hmm. He's asking for people to be sent that way. Now, hold on to that thought for a minute, all you podcasters out there. Just hold on to that one thought. This is what Jesus is talking about in Matthew 9. Interestingly, there's more to it than this. There's also another dimension of this because in the rest of the New Testament, for instance, in Paul, Paul does not always use this word in the same way. Actually, the word Paul most commonly uses for what we translate as laborer is a slightly different word. It's the word uh, sunergos, which means a fellow worker, someone you work with. And it gets translated as fellow worker or laborer in a lot of translations. But here's the difference. Many times, Paul uses this word to refer to the other apostolic missionaries who served in the field with him, such as Timothy and Titus, but he also applies this word more broadly when he writes to other people in the churches and uses it to refer to a number of people who join in the labor of the gospel and great commission, but not necessarily vocationally. In other words, he uses it to describe people who aren't necessarily getting their paycheck from being a missionary, but he still calls them laborers. Um, What conclusion do we draw from this, if any? I think that when it comes to the call to be a missionary, as we look at this Matthew 9 passage, we recognize and balance two things in tension if we are biblical thinkers. Ready? Here's the two things that I think when it comes to thinking about going and being a laborer that we have to understand. First, there is such a thing as a vocational laborer in God's kingdom, and God values them highly. There are people who are supposed to be missionaries, in other words. Missionaries, pastors, full-time workers. I happen to be one of these people. You happen to be one of these people, Carla, right? I'm a vocational missionary. So are you. We work for crew, and we are vocational because we get our paychecks from doing this. Right. Right? This is our full-time job. Mm Mm-hmm. There are those people that are called to that. And obviously, from what Jesus says in Matthew 9, the Lord values this highly. It is not something to be easily dismissed. He asks us to implore him to send missionaries into his harvest field. But the second thing is this. On the other hand, we must maintain a biblical perspective on the worth and significance and participation in the kingdom of those who live godly lives, but whose vocation is not ministry. And I think the way Paul uses the word kind of shows that. It goes without saying the majority of church members and believers will be in this latter category. God has designed the world to work in this way that all righteous work contributes to human flourishing, whether it's direct ministry or not. And this is good. It pleases God. And so just because a person is gifted by God to bless the world in other work than missions— does not mean he or she is a lesser Christian, nor does it mean they aren't participating in the harvest. Right. Now, both of these things are true. Yeah. And we have to be able to balance this, but it's just kind of hard, right? Mm. So, personally, I don't think it's really helpful to say simplistic, pithy statements like, we're all missionaries. <laughs> and I, I know the good intent of that statement was originally to remind Christians we all should be participants in the Great Commission during this, this kingdom age. But honestly, in the American church, I feel like that statement usually gets abused to mean, see, you don't have to go overseas as a missionary. You can just do whatever you want, and it's just a way to kind of avoid a harder call. Mm. 
I also think it just confuses terms. If everyone's a missionary, then no one is. <laughs> and so there has to be some word for the person that does serve vocationally and obeys this special call to be set apart for the work to which God has called them, like it says in Acts 13. And so for Jesus, that word was ergatas, the person who is hired, the laborer, to bring in the harvest, as opposed to the, some, to the one who provides some auxiliary service or someone who might pluck a few grains as he walks along on the road. Right. But Paul does the other thing. He reminds us all Christians have a part to play and that all should labor for the kingdom faithfully because this is the will of God for this age of the church. And so he reminds us of the value of those in other vocations mm-hmm. and shows us the picture of how we all labor together mm-hmm. in the harvest. Does that make sense, how those two things need to be held in tension? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I even think about, like, um, I mean, I have friends who are uh, not full-time vocational missionaries, but they are totally living out the calling to be an ambassador for Christ wherever they are. Um, And even, like, our podcast last week, you know, we had Hunter Kelly and Sarah Lynn Bean, who are not in vocational ministry, and we have Trey, who is, Mm -hmm. but yet they are both living out their calling to do what God's called them to in beautiful ways. All of them And are. so I think holding them in tension is, is really wise. Exactly right. That's exactly it. So this is one of the things that go means. So the bottom line is this. What does it mean to go? God sends some as vocational laborers into the harvest field, and they must courageously accept this call if they receive it. Hmm. While those who are not sent vocationally still have value and responsibility to participate in the harvest according to whatever roles God gives them. These are biblical truths. That we hold to in lordship. Right. Right. Yeah, that's so good. So, Alan, if I can maybe summarize all that we've talked about already today. And so what we see in this passage, I think, is just Jesus saying, everyone, open your eyes and see the enormous harvest out there. And as you look around, beg for the Lord to raise up people to go into the harvest and to proclaim and usher in this new kingdom of God. But then also as we look around, like you've talked about, Alan, It's important for us to hold in tension the reality that God will call some people to do this kind of work vocationally, but then he will also call some people to do this kind of kingdom work in other ways, in other lines of work, in other areas of life as well. That's exactly right. And so so here we see the immense importance of it. We see the emphasis that's placed on it. We see the urgency in it. We see the urgency to implore God to send more laborers into the harvest field. You see, this kingdom age, this isn't just some side item that we do in our spare time. Right. This is part of the very essence of the period of history in which we live as Christians, and we mm. have to recognize that. That's the force of this passage. Mm. That's really good. So let's talk about maybe some applications, kind of wrap up with some practical yeah. Some practical yeah. thoughts. So, so what, maybe as listeners, how are we to respond to this, or how does this maybe change the way we live practically? Yeah, that's exactly it. So, I mean, you're right. This would just be a bunch of word studies if we didn't draw some conclusions <laughs> from it about our lives. Now, they'd be very cool and in intellectual word studies that would be. make us sound very smart, because yes. we are very smart, Kyler. <laughs> we talk about Greek. <laughs> <laughs> so give this podcast to all your friends so that they'll be impressed with us. But, key question, so as an American college student then, how does this affect your life? Okay, here's a couple thoughts. Number one, God does indeed send vocational laborers into his harvest, commands us to ask for him to send more, 
and expects us to respond in lordship if we are one of those laborers that he sends. Right. I wrote that sentence down and read it exactly like that because I think that encapsulates that point we're trying to make there. The upshot of all of that is each one of us kind of needs to ask ourselves the question, am I one of them? Every person has to honestly consider this calling question. And I feel like this has to be declared among a church of people in America who often, you know, we do this, we prevaricate, and we kind of disseminate so that we can justify a comfortable, prosperous lifestyle and and kind of avoid leaving our comfort zones. I do that as much as anybody. Mm. I'm, I'm just, I'm very geared toward trying to stay in my comfort zone. And I think we in the American church probably have more temptations towards this than others. This is just one of our great temptations in a prosperous materialistic society, and it just needs to be confronted. We do not do the kingdom any favors when we bless people's rationalizations away from ministry and missions. Mm. Now, as someone who has been in campus ministry for over 30 years, I am convinced more people are called into the harvest than agree to go. Mm. And it, it just makes me sad. I, I ultimately am not the arbiter of this. I mean, God is the one who calls. He's the one who gives the calling. He's the one who knows for sure if someone is called. But I guess I just, inside me, I think we must always urge people to courage. Mm. I always just try to err in urging people towards courage in this. And pray for the Lord of the harvest to have his way in sending more laborers. Right. And so I think that's just one of the, one of the points. Let's not just assume that we're not one of the ones called to that courageous call. Jesus said it was important. Hmm. I think another point that we might make is, for all of us, go is not easy regardless of that vocational call or lack of it. Right. right? Remember yeah. the word ekbalo that, that means to cast out that mm-hmm. we talked about? Yeah. See, all of us, Regardless of vocation, regardless of that calling, we all participate some way in this harvest. And that means all of us will suffer that disruptive sending in some way. And that's right. just kind of the point. Mm-hmm. Go is not easy, right. is really what it comes down to. You know what? It's not easy to be a witness in your Greek house where you might be ridiculed for your faith. Mm-hmm. And it's not easy to live out your faith or talk to family members about your relationship with Jesus a lot of times. I mean, even Jesus' own family at one point thought he was crazy. It's not easy to give up an extra night of the week to lead a freshman small group. It's not easy to go serve at a homeless shelter or to get up at 6 a.m. on Saturday morning to work at the food bank like a couple of crew alum friends of mine do mm-hmm. almost every weekend. It's not easy to decide to go on a summer mission instead of an internship. It wasn't easy for me to sell most of what I owned and go to Asia for 15 years. You see, any of this, however it gets expressed, however you experience it, the point just comes back to it. Going is disruptive. It is ekbalo sending. We are thrown into the harvest. We are expelled from our comforts and homes and habits and patterns. So the application is we shouldn't expect it to be any different. We shouldn't expect it to be easy. We have to submit to God's lordship. However, he asks us to go. Go comes with a price of sharing in the sufferings of Christ. But what a joy that is, right. that we get to, to participate mm. in that. But I just feel like unless we have that full picture, we don't understand mm. 
what we don't know about go. Yeah, man, that's so good. Alan, thanks. Thanks for leading us to look at the word uh, together and, and talk about, okay, what exactly does it mean to go? Um, it means a lot of things, but at the heart, it means to be open-handed with our life and say, God, you saved me. I want to be an ambassador for you, wherever you call me. So um, that's really good. Well, uh, thanks again for, for talking yeah. to us today and uh, being on the podcast. Yeah, this was really great. I hope it wasn't too hard to follow. Um, but I do really think it's important, and I think it reflects God's heart and who he calls us to be, hmm. to know and to grow and then to go. It's just part of who we are as Christians. Yeah, absolutely. Now to everyone listening, thanks again for tuning in to another episode of the Crew at UGA podcast. If you want to get more involved with Crew, be sure to fill out the survey in the show notes and we'll get in touch with you as soon as we can. And be sure to sign up for Fall Retreat as it's coming up in a few weeks. You don't want to miss out.